0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: It's December 6th, Friday, the night before the SEC title game, and you are at the first-ever live taping of the College Football Daily. Maybe you're wondering what the College Football Daily is. You came because you knew former Georgia All-American linebacker Rennie Kern was going to be here Maybe you knew Rusty Manziel from Dogs 24-7 and the Junkyard Dogcast was going to be here. Or Shay Dixon of Go 24-7 and the Go 24-7 podcast was going to be here. Um, But Trey and I, I I run podcasts for 24-7 sports. And Trey is the college sports editor. He kind of does everything. uh, A little bit, yeah. yeah. Our producer, Tani, was asking me, like, what exactly does all Trey do? And I was like, I don't know. It's kind of everything. Um, So... um, we host a daily podcast called the College Football Daily, where we, our slogan is we catch you up on and break down the day's college football news. We used to say within 15 minutes or fewer, we've broken that barrier a lot this season. It's been an incredible season, no, thanks in no small part to LSU and Georgia and everything that they've done. And uh, certainly tonight, we're going to push well beyond that because we've got a jam-packed show with some incredible guests, and we're excited to get into it.
2: So I've never been to Atlanta, and this really? is just, yeah, this is, this is beautiful, this is great. You know, we're accused, we, we get one-star reviews every now and
1: then saying that we have an SEC bias, and you're telling me that you've never been
2: to the home of the SEC championship. Never been. I uh, grew up a Big 12 guy, in fact, my, my Texas Longhorns played the Georgia Bulldogs last year in the Sugar Bowl, and I'm starting to learn you guys probably didn't try as hard as I thought you had. <laughs> Um, because ever since barely losing to Shays Tigers in week two, it's been downhill. Anyway, this is gorgeous. The green room. You guys should go back there. I don't know if you're allowed to, but it's, it's really cool. We've got like framed photos of Ludacris and everything like that, but we're just really glad to be here.
1: Yeah. we're Pandora has done an incredible job putting on this event. Uh, they're getting serious into podcasts right now in the College Football Daily, and uh, pretty soon the team you're a fan of, their podcast, their 24-7 sports podcast, will also be on Pandora. Um, so go check us out there when you're making your Christmas uh, your Christmas radio station. Also, uh, co- go check out podcasts. So, Trey, it's an incredible 24 hours we're coming up on. In a couple of hours, the Pac-12 championship game kicks off. And then tomorrow, we're going to find out who's getting in the college football playoff.
2: Yeah, so the rest of the country is sort of working itself into a tizzy about like does utah have enough quality wins like is utah gonna blow oregon out tonight what, about what is oklahoma? what is
1: baylor's strength of yeah. record divided by oklahoma's strength of record yeah
2: like doing long division on oklahoma's turnover margin so like you've got tonight and maybe utah wins by three touchdowns and feels really good and then maybe tomorrow morning oklahoma you know doesn't fall behind 28 to three and beats baylor by three touchdowns and they're like yeah one of us is gonna make the playoff. Well, that kind of is all a moot point if 330 rolls around and Georgia sorta of just leans on LSU and finds its way into the playoff, right? Like you, you guys can ruin everybody else's hopes. You guys can be the playoffs worst nightmare right now. Two, two SEC teams in the playoff, I mean. Two SEC teams, none of them Alabama. Where is Thank Alabama? Thank God. <laughs> where, where is Alabama, Citrus Bowl? Going to yeah. the Citrus Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, what, the belt? Uh-huh. What'd you say? Outback, Outback Bowl. <laughs> Everyone's going to be sitting that game. Jalen Waddell is going to have like 550 all-purpose yards. He's going to be the best player in Citrus Bowl history. So it's a – what a season. Like if you told me this season that LSU's going to have a quarterback to throw for more than like 25 touchdowns and they're going to go undefeated and George is going to like bounce back from this stunning loss to – Oh, 4 and eight, South Carolina, and they're going to have a chance to play in for the playoff. I can't believe it.
1: Yeah, it's it's been an absolutely wild season. Here now to help us talk more about Georgia and LSU, Shay Dixon, Rusty Mansell, come on up. Yeah.
2: You come over. Here. You come over here. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Turn your mics on. We're good. You going put us this close? <laughs>
1: we wanted to make sure that you guys could you know go back and forth, trade a little,
2: trade some jabs. So, Rusty, this morning I was listening to the Junkyard podcast, Junkyard Dogcast, Junkyard Dogcast, right. and you were, you guys were making predictions. We're we'll gonna bring that up first. Yeah, Get and right we'll do it. we'll do picks later. But Rusty, nobody's giving Georgia a chance. Well, everyone in here is seven point underdogs. Mm-hmm. You picked Georgia right off the bat. Why are you just, feeling just
3: good? Just to just to clear the air, and yeah. both of my co-hosts about passed out when I said it, but. <laughs> Uh, Really, you know, my thought behind it was Georgia's defense is elite. Um, Kirby's smart. Georgia's team has played well in this situation. You look at the – I went back and looked at probably 20, 25 predictions on the Florida game. 19 of 25 were Florida. I mean, all the national guys were picking Florida just about Auburn. A lot of people. Georgia has played well in this situation. For whatever reason, they've played well when the pressure is not on them. Tomorrow, the pressure is not on Georgia. In my opinion, you go play, turn it loose. You you win, you're in. You
2: said turn it loose. You think Jake Fromm is going to have to turn it loose? He has to.
3: Um, I think Georgia has to create some big chunk plays. Uh, LSU has given up some of those those big plays. Obviously, they want to run the ball. Um, established himself for four quarters, but I think Jake Fromm has played well in all three games in that building. He has, he has, he's one and two, but he's played well enough to be three and zero.
1: Yeah, last year's SEC Championship game, to me, the standout, the breakout performer of that game was Jake Fromm. Sure. We haven't quite seen him replicate that, maybe even mm. taken a little bit of a step back. Mm. Uh, what, I mean, what's happened?
3: All those receivers are gone. Mm. Terry Godwin's not here. Riley Ridley's not here. Miko Hardman's not here. Isaac Nauta, Chase pumped. Isaac Nauta's not here. I mean, he's I mean, now Lawrence Cager's not here. George Pickens is only going to play a half. As a, Jeremiah Holliman, you know, you look at all those guys that are, not only are they gone, those are NFL guys. They're either playing or on an NFL roster. There was a lot of turnover there. New offensive coordinator trying to get everything in jail. There's a lot that was kind of working against them and they're still, at some point, trying to put everything together and have a complete game.
2: Let's do a show of hands. Who here thinks that this, this is Jake Fromm's last season? Okay, not many. But like maybe three. in August, more of you sure. would have raised your hands, right? Sure. Yeah, uh, for sure. No? So most, most of the people in this crowd think that Jake Fromm in September was a it was a three and out. Candidate Rusty, sort of what you were hearing, mm-hmm. headed into the season, Sure. Like, do you think he would have thought about that path?
3: It, Jake, knowing him since the 10th grade and, and, and meeting him and his family, he has been completely focused on this season, completely. He has had, he's able to, if he wanted to, have discussions with agents, he's done none of that. Everything has been put off until after the season. That was the plan before the season. So he knows what we all probably know, that those two offensive tackles are gonna leave, and he doesn't get touched. You watch how much time he has. So I, my thoughts were going into August, look, If I'm gonna roll, if DeAndre Swift is gone, Andrew Thomas is gone, Isaiah Wilson, it's probably a good time for me to go with him, but
1: obviously things have changed, and I do think, in my opinion, he'll be back next year. Shay, let's get you in the mix. LSU, I mean, we're looking now across other college football teams having so much trouble nailing down the head coaching position. Proud programs that are just having the hardest time trying to get the right person in place. We saw LSU go through that a little bit, and then you know, for a while at Orgeron, people weren't sure what they thought of that hire, and now we're here, and we've <laughs> experienced a season where LSU's emergence as one of the best teams in the country, one of the best offenses in the country, is the absolute defining storyline of the season. Did you ever think we'd be here?
4: Uh, no, as someone who I mean, I went to o four or LSU and o four for college uh, and never left immediately started writing for the uh, the Reveille and for scout dot com back in the day doing recruiting stuff. Uh, so I covered uh, my first year of college with Saban's last year there, and then a stretch of less miles. and even the Georgia fans in here ha- had watched enough LSU to know like what were y'all doing, you know, what was less continuing to try to uh, not evolve the offense and and be this kind of three yards in a cloud of dust 19, you know 60s 70s football um, And whenever Orgeron got hired, I think the one thing I don't think anybody would ever try to sell Orgeron as being The, the smartest coach in the country, you know, or like a you know, a Belichick or uh, someone like that I think he emulates a guy like Pete Carroll a lot and uh, what I mean by that is Um, how you structure things, a very NFL-type environment. I remember uh, the players would tell us in the last days that by the time they got to game day, they were done. They had been hitting to the ground all week long. Uh, LSU has two walkthroughs a week, Monday, Friday. Uh, They never go to the ground. They only hit one day. Um, So I think that that's taken a load off. And then, like Pete Carroll, if you surround yourself with good coaches, um, usually good things happen. I think he misstepped when they hired Matt Canada. Uh, and tried to run, I guess that was after he had been at, uh, what, Mar- Maryland? Maryland, yeah. and, and then he'd been at NC State uh, and Pitt, and then he was the Burrells Award finalist, and uh, they hired him. It didn't go well. Uh, he moved Steve Insminger into that role. They've obviously got Dave Aranda, um, and I think the big thing was just the move to the spread, obviously, because uh, bringing in Joe Brady, who's gotten a lot of uh, credit for kind of installing a lot of what the Saints do, he was – Uh, working with New Orleans for uh, a couple of years and was with Moorhead before that at uh, Penn State, but nobody would watch LSU right now and say that, like, oh, my God, they reinvented the wheel. It's just they finally ran the same spread RPO offense that Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, um, Oklahoma, and and I know Lincoln Riley's great and has uh, sort of his own philosophy there, but point being, I don't think... I didn't see it coming because LSU never did it, And, and finally they did, and I think they... Uh, they caught lightning in a bottle in a year where Joe Burrow has um, pretty much just been unflappable. I mean, he's been amazing. He never misses. The wide receivers couldn't catch a ball last year. They never drop it right now. Uh, I saw a stat. I think they have, like, whatever, 60, 70 touchdowns and 14 drops on the year. Um, it's not that many because he's starting 44. But point being, um, it's kind of just been all happened at once for him uh, to where we get this matchup of the number two defense in the country versus the number two offense in the country.
2: I was kind of skeptical of this preseason, maybe the Georgia fans out here too, because I've heard like, the talk that LSU is going to go into a spread offense. Oh, like, yeah. Right? Like, we've
1: heard this before. I mean, we did this with Michigan this year yeah. and then got kind of mixed results. We do it with so many teams, and
2: LSU is the like, one example where it actually happens. We're shaded. I mean, this has to have exceeded anybody's wildest expectations, though.
4: Yeah, I mean I think that if you're outside the building you and all you've ever seen is the product they put out there, um and they never changed in the Les Miles era and, and as you said, Connor, that early in the Orgeron era they were trying to figure out an identity. Um but this summer and spring and you always hear, right, like the offseason, Rusty and I joke about all the time is uh, – Everybody's bought in. Everybody's bought in. Everybody looks great. Nobody's ever New worked out coach, this hard. Uh, yeah, you know, the offense has never been this wide open. You know, Fromm's never looked this good. <laughs> Burrow's never been this amazing. So you hear all that. But I think now when you go back and, and around LSU, they've replayed a lot of the summer clips where Burrow said, we're going to score 40, 50, 60 a game. And they all laughed at him. And, you know, that doesn't happen at LSU. You scored 20 so, a game.
1: So the Uh, rules say this is Joe Burrow's last season, and Joe Brady's the hottest assistant in college football right now. Like, is there? Do you feel like there's a sense of urgency with Alabama? It's not often they win two or lose two games in the regular season. That like, you got to do it now because who knows? The 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 key players involved in making this happen could be gone soon.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that, and the most key player being Burrow, I think, uh, is yeah, you have to capitalize now because. Unless you're going to the transfer market again for a D. Eric King or somebody, uh, you go to Miles Brennan next year. He was a great high school player, but um, you know you're not moving into Joe Burrow. For instance, hasn't he graduated Ohio State and he takes online master's courses? He's never been on campus to a class. He just what? does his stuff at home and <laughs> literally just oh it's football. He's like he's a he's a professional. So now that he's in his second year and kind of has that rapport with everybody, I think that's been a big reason of. You know, he's not a twenty-year-old or nineteen-year-old who's going to class I, every day I, and dealing with all that.
3: I saw today that he's a year and a half older than Dwayne Haskins, and eleven months older than Daniel Jones. He turns twenty-three on Monday, so I did a little research. There you second. go.
4: So yeah, I mean, this is—I think they know they have to capitalize now, and, and we'll see with Joe Brady. I haven't seen someone take uh, this sort of meteoric rise. He had never been an on-field coach at any college level. Uh, beyond William and Mary he was a linebackers coach for about six months uh, of one season uh, and then he's been working in player personnel uh, Quality control with the Saints and then he gets the passing game coordinator job And they've played what three months of football and people were saying Arkansas should look at him for head coach and all the I mean, it's it's insane to think about that's what we get for an LSU team that's always had talent, but has never actually opened the offense. When they do, the people that are in charge of opening the offense seem to have every door open for them right now.
2: Rusty, when Shea talks about opening up the offense, I sort of think about you. I think about Georgia, and I kind of thought about directing this question at you. I think I read a quote the other day, Kirby Smart saying that you know, everyone running the spread and rpo that's just kind of—that's not us. On your board though, I see a lot of fans wishing they would open up the offense. What do you think is the future of Georgia's offense under Kirby Smart? Kind of
3: at a crossroads, in my opinion, because the way their roster is built, I mean, their massive offensive line, they've got five-star running backs stacked. So you, you, if you're Kirby Smart and you just say you lose tomorrow, you, you look back and say, these, these last two years, we went to the National Championship, we didn't get it done. Went to the SEC Championship, didn't get it done. We went to the SEC Championship again and didn't get it done. What can we change to get it done? Um, I think everybody would agree that that, at times our offense has been been really, really good. But when you have a defense this good, you wish you had probably obviously more points to to, to go along with it. But I think Kirby Smart will look back. I don't know what he's going to do, if he's going to do anything. But you have to look at, and I know his goal is to win the national championship and to be there. But you've got to at some point say we're going to take that next step and we're going to win this thing.
2: When you look at the other side of the ball for Georgia, like what's, what's mission number one tomorrow to beat LSU?
3: Be who they were, be who they are. I mean, their defense has been great all year. I mean, I think people are starting to see um, how fast they are, how big they are. When I'm around these kids and I meet, like I've, I've known Trayvon Walker, who's an eighth grader, you know, and Eric Gilbert, we'll talk about him in a minute. Yeah. I know, I mean, all these kids are the eighth grader. You don't realize how big they are until you see them in person. I was standing on the sideline at Texas A&M game I probably shouldn't say what team. It was an NFL team standing beside me, two guys, and they were looking. I mean, I'm literally here, and Andrew Thomas is right here, and they are like, 70, you know, they were writing stuff down, and, and Trayvon Walker walks by, and they are like, holy. And I'm like, yeah, freshman. They're like, what? Like, and you, when you see those guys, that's how big and nasty they are on defense. I think Georgia just needs to be who they are.
1: Um, Rusty. Dabo Sweeney. Has been talking about
3: yeah let me have this one
1: (laughs) yeah um he's been he's made some comments about the national media doubting clemson and specifically raising georgia as as kind of an example he's saying they're desperate to find a way to put georgia in even though they lost to a bad south carolina team um how what i mean covering the team interacting with georgia fans every day like what what is the feeling about those comments?
3: I think he's trying to make his team, let me, let me be careful on this, because Clemson has earned everything. They, they're gonna be in a playoff, and they've earned that. He's trying to keep his team relevant for one reason. When's the last time any of you watched a Clemson game?
2: <laughs>
1: Playoffs last year?
3: Playoffs, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and look, they're, they got a stacked roster, they got a, a, a mega unbelievable quarterback, all this. He's trying to keep his team in the news. And I think he needs to get off that soapbox. And, and everybody's tired of hearing that. Look, you have beat Alabama. You have won the national championship. Just be who you are, and we'll see you in December 28th, because you're going to be there. And I think the, the Georgia shot was, you know, he's, he's been taking shots at the SEC for a while. And he's not, he's not a dummy. He knows what's going to keep him in the news. You want to take a shot at somebody, take a shot about the SEC, and you'll be on the news all week long.
2: I got to go off topic a bit. I guess back to the, you know, the game, what are you hearing on De'Andre Swift? I know a lot of fans would love to know. He's going to be fine. And I tell
3: people, too, and, and these guys played, so they'll tell you, um, these guys are – everybody's banged up. Everybody at this time of the year is banged. If Georgia fans and LSU fans could probably get a medical report, they'd all probably freak out because there's all kind of kids that are barely making it at this mm-hmm. point. De'Andre Swift knows this moment is big. You know, he's going to play through it. He'll be there. Um, If I'm a Georgia fan, I'm glad he can hold on to the ball, but those legs aren't hurting. And that's the most important thing on DeAndre Swift.
1: Well, if anybody in the crowd has a question for uh, Rusty or Shay, just kind of raise your hand and I'll run a microphone out to you. Um, But we can continue. Sorry, I just wanted to look at
2: that. No, yeah, definitely raise your hand and get us a question. And Shay, we only have one LSU fan, but I'm still going to ask the LSU questions I thought about asking. All right, so Jamar Chase. We were hanging out in Oregon a few years ago, and, and Jamar was about to commit to TCU, on national television, on, on NFL Network, um, and he doesn't. Greg Emerson, the, the Tennessee uh, player, or he eventually commits to Tennessee, he sort of, what, what would you describe it? like? He was injured, and so he just took a little bit longer on the stage, and the NFL booted Jamar Chase.
4: Yeah, it's, it's insane to think about Rusty and I uh, covering recruiting 365 and how wild it can get uh, just with each little twist and turn. But Jamar Chase was at that opening. We were all there. Um, he was fighting for five-star status. He finished a five-star. He's going to win the Bolitnikoff this year, so he's lived up to it. Um, but he And he had LSU offer in Georgia and you name it, everybody. Uh, and he thought I could go to TCU. This was, TCU had been playing well. Uh, Gary Patterson was selling him on kind of being the man. Um, So he's got his NFL network spot. Uh, He's doing it on on his grandma's birthday. Uh, And we're out in Oregon and Emerson for Tennessee breaks his leg um, at the practice or whatever. So they bring him up on the stage uh, and it's his spot first. Well with his broken leg, they enjoyed like the story or whatever. And so they're like, we're gonna come back after the break and, and catch him more. And then it took him so long to get off the stage. He didn't even have a wheelchair yet, he anything. He's just limping, no crutches, nothing. Comes off the stage with a broken leg and the TV guys look at Jamar Chase and say, we're out of time, you got nothing. I mean, and looking back at now, I guess I'd feel less bad about it because he's had a great career, but the kid's just crying. And he's got a shoebox with a TCU hat Jamaris. and gloves in there. Uh, And, and, you know, he's like, I was supposed to do that. Everyone at home is waiting on me to do this announcement. And then he committed to Florida about a month later, you know, went on a visit to Friday Night Lights and committed there. And uh, ultimately, LSU just stayed after him. And uh, I think he flipped. And then on signing day, um, you know, committed to the Tigers. And now as a sophomore, I mean, he's been unbelievable. Um, Leads the nation in, uh, what, receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. He shattered Dwayne Bowe's record, uh, so did Justin Jefferson of, of both those categories in a single season at LSU. So um, the mix of Burrow and, and that receiver core, certainly led by Jamar, has been really impressive.
2: I think like, one of the, my favorite things about reading y'all and reading y'all's message boards is the, the in-depth knowledge you have of all of these players when they were recruits. I mean, you've got stories, probably can't share all of them, but you've got stories for every single kid. Like Rusty, you go in-depth on Jake Fromm flipping that was an interesting night yeah, I mean you've got and it, the time passes so quickly right it's like we were at the opening Jamar was there Terrace Marshall was there I remember Terrace Terrace's mom being like we're we're committing the last day of the early signing period and yep. you know it's time's time just flown but if you guys have any questions for these guys about yeah uh Connor, are you gonna go Connor, do you want to oh yeah, yeah. Hey.
1: she got one she's got a mic I
2: thought. oh we got a
4: mic Oh, yes, you got one on the floor.
1: So we've seen uh, LSU pick up a lot of recruiting momentum over the course of the season for good reason. And uh, heading into tomorrow, there's a couple five-star guys seem to be leaning towards LSU. Do you see a victory for Georgia tomorrow affecting any decisions with early signing day coming up in less than two weeks?
3: You know, my experience with that is the the kids don't base their decisions off one game. Um, You know, um, a season like LSU's having definitely is not hurting what's going on with them. Uh, Georgia did that with Kirby Smart. I remember, I always talk to kids afterwards and say, what was the negatives? What were schools recruiting against this school? When Kirby went eight and five in 2016, he comes back in 2017 and does what he does. He winds up having the, the number one recruiting class in the country yeah. then. Schools were telling kids, yeah, he can recruit, but he can't win the big game. So once he got Georgia to the national championship game, they couldn't use that anymore. LSU is recruiting with their offense and saying, "Look, we're not. We're we're going to throw the ball. We're going to spread it around." In fact, I'm sure someone asked me about Eric Gilbert, and Eric Gilbert, the five-star from Marietta, told me when he went down there and saw it in person, that changed the game for him. Um, you know, he didn't. He he told me that LSU really got in his mind at that point, and they ultimately ultimately wound up getting him.
5: That sort of leads into a the question that I have def- uh, about the future of Georgia you were
3: hitting on. Eric Gilbert is a prime example, in my opinion, that it might be Mm -hmm. uh, not nearly as attractive for your high-flying wide receivers and quarterbacks to continue to come to Georgia once they see Mm -hmm. and look at Justin Fields scenario and so forth. But my other question, though, is your opinion about the transfer portal. When you look sure. at the quarterbacks that have sort of evolved over the last two years, including last year and how successful they've been, what do you think the future of that is and whether there'll be tweaks to it that could make it more coach and program friendly? What I worry about is, is the kids, the large majority, that have no home anymore. That's what people aren't writing about, but the numbers are devastating. Justin Fields, the, the Jake Bentley who's, who's in, just say Jake Bentley who's in, he has four or five schools that are fighting to get him. There's about 1,600 other kids that don't have a scholarship anymore. They've gotta find some way to fix that, but you know, to take for example this week, it blew me away, Coastal Carolina, they had 10 kids go in in one day. 10 kids in one day. My opinion, probably two of those will land somewhere. Where did they get the wrong information that they needed to get in that portal? Because at some point, you got to weigh the opportunity. I got to stay in from education, this and that. There's a lot. We could talk about this the rest of the night, but I don't think there's going to be, I don't, I don't know the answer. But we always read about these 10, 11 guys that everybody's fighting for every year. Um, you know, last year with Hurts and, I mean, and, and, and when Justin Fields and those guys came out, obviously different, but I worry about the other 1,600 kids that are sitting here with no place to go. And people,
4: people don't write about that
2: because they can always come back if if they're allowed to. But if once they hit the to, portal, their yeah, scholarship's that, gone.
4: Yeah, I've found that to be the case. I'm with Rusty that, and I. Whenever the portal and the idea of transfers has always existed. It's just been now when these kids got these immediate waivers, um, Fields and uh, Martell and, sure. and all these different guys. Uh, it sort of became this, okay, well, I can get a waiver, and then ultimately they shut that down. I think the guy who was Houston Nuts' attorney, Mars, or whoever it was, uh, was one of the lead guys on them, and he got out of it. He said They wound
3: up – the NCAA hired
4: him. Yeah, he, he said, I'm done kind of making trying to make this happen for kids. But as he said, I think LSU had 12 guys. And if you're playing – if you sign at LSU or Georgia, even if you're not playing, you're really good, uh, you know, comparative speaking to, you know, whoever else is out there. I think lsu had 12 kids hit the portal and two landed somewhere one at a juco and one by far their best player a top 50 prospect that hit the portals at kentucky so with the hard cap of 25 signees and schools wanting to add all 25 i know you guys georgia fans lsu fans are counting your numbers how do we fit these guys in do we save a spot for a transfer there's thousands well over a thousand kids out there who don't realize because now and i'm not trying to be on a soapbox here but it's just reality of a student athlete situation before you had to ask permission right if I want to talk to another school or any of that now all you got to do is put your name in the portal and you can talk to anybody you want but unless you're lining all that up kind of behind the NCAA's back behind closed doors uh, or your name's Justin Fields or somebody like that you're hitting the portal and you're betting on yourself and and more often than not maybe they'd love to have you, but they just don't have spots. I mean, you just don't have scholarship spots. Mm,
1: that's interesting because like one of the advantages of the portal, that, as it's as it stated, is that it takes away some of that behind the scenes stuff where it's like working in the network of coaches. But it sounds like you ultimately, if you're not one of these high profile guys, you've got to you lean on that anyway. So you've still got it in effect. So yeah, we have a couple questions.
5: Um, I was just wondering what y'all think the benefit of from staying again if he doesn't choose to go to the nfl if they're going to continue to run that same conservative offense he's not going to be able to showcase his talent next year whether he stays anyway so why stay
3: most important thing for me he'll graduate this summer so he can get his degree to finish i'm a parent so i always talk about that degree finish his degree he'll also have uh, georgia has recruited very well offensive line so they'll be able to replace those guys are leaving still be protected he's got a very, very good trio of young guys receivers that'll be back next year. They've got three guys committed now in this class. They're looking at adding some a really, really, really fast guy that everybody talks about. If they can get Arian Smith out of Florida, one of the fastest players in the country. So the, the pieces of the puzzle are going to be there. I agree that Jake Fromm is who he is, but I think his, stock dra- his, his draft stock is, is going down a little bit. He can get that back up. If he stays another year, in my opinion, uh, it's going to be very interesting because if Jake Fromm says, Look, I'm a third, I'm a third rounder, I'm going to be one this year, I'm going to be one next year, these guys will tell you the NFL is about one thing now. It's about getting to the second contract. So if he can go in and start his clock, he can bet on himself. We'll see what happens with that.
2: Rusty, when would you expect Jake Fromm to make a decision? Because the, the deadline's January 20th, but you would think Georgia would have to have, add somebody, Kirby right? Kirby
3: Smart will have a good idea this week. Now, you know, he really, uh, really had to press Sony and Nick for their decision because of one thing. He had Cam Akers trying to make a decision and Cam Akers wanted to know. And that's a kind of behind the scenes deal. Uh, and, and Erica know that story. But you know, the story with Nick Chubb walking in, he said so it took him uh, 45 minutes to talk to Sony and Michelle into coming back. When Nick Chubb walked in and said, I'm not losing to Georgia Tech it's my last memory. Coach, I'm coming back. So it took one minute. Guy got and walked out. So. That tells you what type of what type of guys those tour that was a huge piece of the puzzle to come back he'll know something leaning next week but jake's going to take his time to meet with agents as well another question uh i have a two-part question mine is more about like scheming right so like everybody's talking about how lsu is just going to run rough
5: shot but i'm i'm looking at who we put out on defense to cover mm-hmm. them and i just don't see it if you take away chase or jefferson like i know chase is a beast
3: But
0: I don't see that from Jefferson. I think he's really benefiting from Chase.
3: Sure. The biggest thing I think with Georgia, and if I talked about it today, um, I know a lot of you guys follow my work. I took a lot of heat on on saying Georgia didn't look like Alabama in 2017. When I walked into Phillips Arena that morning for media day, Alabama walked in. I was like, wow. And Georgia walked in and had some dudes, but they didn't look like that 85. The biggest thing that Kirby Smart has changed is that secondary. These are six foot two guys, they all can flat out roll. Eric Stokes, who they took the last minute from Ole Miss that morning, because they didn't get Jamias Williams, they took Eric Stokes. What a deal for Georgia, huh? So you get a guy that's a six foot one, 180 pounder, who ran a 10, meters, raw kid. But at the end of the day, that guy can cover. Tyson Campbell, a 10, J.R. Reed is who he is. Richard Lecount's not the fastest guy in the country, but he is very, very instinctive player and he's really coming on. Georgia has changed as much. They don't they don't people talk about it, but when you look at their secondary, those guys can flat out roll and they're long and they can hit. Georgia's gonna be able to match up LSU. I think one of the biggest factors is gonna be what people gonna talk about is how athletic Joe Burrow is. Go back and watch the Florida game. He killed them on three third downs, extending the play past eight yards. He is a very good athletic guy. He doesn't want to run the ball, but when he has to, he can. And this is kind of cliche. Like, I I think a lot of people like being a football guy. You kind of like people poo poo on LSU's defense because they they're giving up points. But, like, what would you say is their biggest, weakest link on their team? Like, is it the linebackers, the secondary,
4: the middle of the D-line? I think the one thing that they don't have the D-line that you're probably used to seeing, um, you know, years back when Glenn Dorsey and all those guys played on the D-line, Tyson Jackson, those guys were all first-round picks, uh, and that you see at Georgia at times, at Clemson, at Auburn. Um, when you can get a natural pass rush, you know, with, and they play a 3-4, but with three or four guys and aren't having to bring extra guys, uh, it makes a world of difference. And I think, uh, uh, you know, Georgia's ha- or excuse me, uh, LSU's had trouble at times this year with that and have then had to disguise different ways they're bringing pressure. That's probably not great news when you're going up against an O-line like Georgia, who's going to be the best O-line they faced all year. Orgeron talked about that a lot this week. Of uh, He said he put on the tape. Went through all the Georgia games over a few day period and said three first rounders on that Georgia line, all five of them will play in the NFL, no doubt about it. Um, But I think that when you look at the season kind of in the scope of everything happening, I'd say they're I mean, they are statistically a top 30, 40 defense. They're not Georgia. Is Georgia's offense terrible? No, but they're not LSU. It's each of the offense and the defense for both those two schools are so good. Um, That that matchup's going to be great to watch. And and then I think, really, LSU is like any team. Georgia, we saw it with Bama, they just never recovered. Delpit got banged up a bunch early on. Chaseon was hurt. They had some D linemen hurt. So they would play these odd games where they'd be scoring, I think the average this year, per drive, touchdown drive, like two minutes and two seconds or something. So the defense is always on the field. Uh, whenever they, they get winded and you don't have much depth, that's how we've seen Vanderbilt put up 24 on them at 30-something if you're uh, including pick sixes and stuff like that. Um, Arkansas didn't score many. Ole Miss ran wild on them that night uh, in Oxford with a number of guys hurt. Um, but last week against A&M, they played well, uh, and I know that A&M is not a world beater. They, they were pissed off. Yeah. I think that when they got dropped out of the one spot to two uh, and, and – the committee went on there and said, "Well, it's because their defense isn't very, you know, is very good." Ohio State's a way more complete team, and that may be true. Um, but LSU had all their guys back last year. I don't. I think. I think Georgia's offense is probably markedly better than A and M's. But A and M isn't terrible, and they played them well, and I think they held them to 18 yards in the first half, seven points. So they're coming into this one dialed in, and and I think the game plan for LSU. Um, is, is to try to make Jake Fromm throw the football. You know, don't don't get beat with clock control and, and with Jake Fromm being smart about his passes. Somehow, um, like I said, they don't get a great natural pass rush, but if you can force some second and third longs and, and get Fromm out of, not his comfort zone, but uh, out of what Georgia's script is and what they
0: want to do, uh, I think that's LSU's best bet. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: All right, appreciate y'all's questions. We'll have one more audience participation opportunity coming up in a bit. But right now, it's time to welcome to the stage a former high school All-American, freshman All-American in college, regular All-American in 2009, a top 100 NFL draft pick, and an author. Give it up for Rennie Curran.
5: Hello, hello. Hey, hey. Rennie, thanks what's for joining, on, everybody. Us. Hey. Dog Nation, what's up?
1: <laughs> so, Rennie, you were nice a part job, of. Shay. Yeah, you were a lot of you were part of a lot of success during your time at Georgia under Mark Richt. What is it like for you now as a spectator to watch this team, you know, in the college football playoff? Every other season, or are pretty close to so far.
5: Man, it's, it's amazing. And first, before I start, I got to give a shout-out to my former teammate, Drew Butler. I wanted to bring him up here. I don't, I don't know if it's possible to, to we'll get you uh, add up, him uh, to the conversation. He's got a podcast as well, so he's got a lot of great knowledge. But if, if not, it's all good. But, yeah, I mean, just to see the success that they've uh, had, man, since we've left. I mean, the facilities alone are ridiculous. I mean, we all know it's an arms race. Just to even go back and see – everything that it has been created, uh, just from the support to you know the level of play to the level of recruits. I mean, we talked about the size of even the offensive lineman, the defensive back. I don't even know if they would have recruited me coming out now. Like, I was, I was already considered undersized back then. So, like, now the, the level of size and, and whatnot, the level of competition is raised so much. Um, and just to see the consistency, you know, going up. I was at practice um, on Wednesday To uh, see the dogs prepare. And I mean, Kirby has that, it's running like military style. Like, there's no time wasted. Everything is efficient. Um, I mean, the technology that they have is on a whole nother level. They got trackers on their paths to, you know, track their rate of acceleration and see how, how much their output is. I mean, it's it's crazy to see uh, the success, but just the development as well. You
1: mentioned there's different kind of athletes now. Is there anybody in particular on this Georgia defense that you watch and say, man, that's a dude. I I don't know if I could beat him out on the depth chart if I had to do it over again
5: <laughs> today. Uh, let's see. Defensively, I mean, I, I think I'll be able to hang with him. I mean, just from going, yeah. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> I had heart. But, <laughs> but no, nah, they, they got some amazing players up there. I mean, one guy that stands out to me that's really shown a lot of just ability is Aziz uh, Ojalari. Just, I mean, quick, instinctive, smart kid, effort kid. Um, he's a great one. J.R. Reed is another one. Richard Account, he was mentioned before. He's coming on, making a lot of great plays. Uh, but overall, I just love watching this defense play, I love the leadership. I love the resilience that they show. Um, you know, even when they go down or they give up explosive plays, they're able to bounce back, come back in the second half, and always finish up strong. So just love what I'm seeing out of them.
2: Randy, when we were uh, talking about maybe Georgia transitioning to a more aggressive offense, I was thinking about you for this question. Hmm. On the defensive side of the ball, and we're seeing that with LSU, that's not really complementary football. Like, what sort of issue do you think that would present to a defender to have your offensive teammates sort of fly down the field every series?
5: I mean, it it really, as, as a defender, I mean, your main thing is to always create opportunities for your offense. So it doesn't, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if they're flying down the field, it doesn't matter if they're going three and out. Your one mentality is, we're going to make the plays, we're going to make the stops. And I think that's the mentality of this defense. You know, I think they are past the point of being phased by what the offense is doing, what, what type of day that they're having, whether Jake Fromm is on or not. And you can see it with their performance. That's the reason why they're number two in the nation right now, is because, you know, they are all about, Kirby is on them like, white on rice. I mean, he makes sure that they're performing at a high level no matter what. Uh, the young guys are showing up. You know, you got guys like Nolan Smith, Nicobe Dean, who are get, uh, getting in there, making big-time plays. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really just ha- about that mentality as a defense.
2: So if, if Georgia went to a spread attack, as a defensive guy, do you, ha- do you see any issue with that? Like, does that make your life harder? No? Not at all. I mean, okay. what, whatever. So no excuses for LSU, then?
5: Yeah, no no excuses whatsoever for LSU. I mean, as a defender, like I said, you're, you're one track, uh, one set. Uh, mine is about making plays when you're out there. It doesn't really depend on the offense. Of course, it's a team sport, you know, everybody feeds off of each other. Offense, if they're, you know, if they're uh, making plays, you feed off of that energy. But at the end of the day, you know, you know you have to show up. You know you have to make plays. And you know you as a defender have to be consistent as well. Rennie, when you look back on your Georgia career,
1: any point of your football career, is there a single moment, a single accomplishment that stands out as one that you cherish the most?
5: Man, uh, that's a great question. And um, when we watch a lot of these athletes out here and we see their level of performance, their level of consistency, we don't understand a lot of times the journey and what it takes day in and day out. And Drew will say the same thing, but when you have to balance school, you have to balance, like for me, I became a father my, my sophomore year and so having a balanced life <laughs> and then still come and uh, be a performer and then there's a lot of players too who they may not play for seven eight nine weeks and it's not until somebody gets hurt or you know somebody messes up that they get the opportunity for me that was my story and my freshman year uh, i rode the bench you know i was on the sideline holding that helmet until uh, basically like florida week you know a couple of weeks before that i had gotten some plays here and there but it was really just about that dedication, the faith, and just getting in the weight room, getting in the film room consistently while nobody's watching a lot of times. And then fast forward to the Florida game, my number gets called, and then um, I was able to make some big plays. Uh, you know, First play, I remember going against Percy Harvin and almost shit myself. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> but yeah, just like, you know, it's the, it's the journey, man. And so that's what I'm most proud of is just sticking it through. And, um, you know, you don't see that a lot nowadays, especially when you have things like the transfer portal where – if you don't like your situation, you could very easily just get up and say, I'm a, I'm a dip. So, yeah.
1: In your book, free agent, which you can, I listened to on audible. I believe you narrate it. Yeah. Is that right? So uh, if you want to, if you want to listen to Reggie's book or Rennie's book, I'm sorry. Um, uh, do that. Uh, you, you talk about this moment when you got cut from the NFL as this really powerful, clarifying moment Mm. where you like, had to figure out what's next and you looked around at other people kind of going through their lives who seem to have lost their passion for whatever it is that you're doing. Mm. I wonder, it's, it's been a while since, since you wrote the book Right. As, as you've gotten some distance from that time. Does that, does that moment still hold that kind of power for you?
5: Oh yeah. I mean, that's one of those moments that it just really uh, put things into perspective. You know, when you are removed from something that's always been a part of your life, whether that's your job or relationship a business, whatever it is, once that piece of your identity is stripped away, like you're never the same ever again. And so it really uh, made me realize what really matters most in life, made me realize who matters most in life, the people who are gonna be there for you no matter what you're going through. Um, And it it just made me realize who I was, you know, as a person outside of that jersey when I take that thing off. Um, And so many people, they become just jaded, you know, just by life. And they go through different experiences. For us, it's getting cut. For some people, it may be getting fired from their job or not being where they want to be uh, in their position or in their job to where you know, their situation, uh, it dictates you know, their own value or how they see themselves, their own self-worth. And so I had to really separate myself from that and I still continue to do that to this day as an entrepreneur, as a speaker, making sure that I'm not allowing myself to be defined by how my business is doing or where I'm at in life from, a, from society's perspective.
1: I think we're in an era now in college football, maybe sports in general, where we're, as a a, a public, we're kind of a little bit more interested and concerned about player welfare and those moments, like when you are transitioning out of the sport for the very first time. And I know you speak very eloquently about like, how you can get through that from within, but do you think there should be more support in place for players in that moment? Or how do you think colleges or, NFL teams or whoever it is could kind of provide that.
5: A lot more support, man. I mean, and that's something that you just, the narrative is not gonna shine light on that. You're not gonna see a lot of news stories on life after. You're gonna see news stories about life after in terms of the, the Nick Chubb, the, you know, the Todd Gurley who's going to the pros, mm. but you're not gonna see the guy who's going back to his hometown and he don't know what he's gonna do. Um, so I think a lot more um, of the narrative needs to be geared towards that. To helping athletes when they transition that's something i'm very very passionate about and um you know i feel like if they can invest 40 million dollars in a jumbotron or in a new locker room they can invest more in athletes when it comes to their transition and um you know if they can do a 20-hour rule for practice they can do 20-hour life skills and Mm. you know instead of just because a lot of our experience is um you know you spent majority of your time in the weight room film room. Making sure that you're performing at a high level, and then when it comes to financial literacy, or when it comes to you know learning about personal branding, it's kind of uh, episodic. You know, so you might have one speaker that comes in, you know, does their thing, mm-hmm. but because of the time and the agenda, it's very, very limited. And we all know that less than one percent actually make it to the next level. So um, you know, I think a whole lot more needs to be done, and so I try to do my part uh, with whether speaking or going, making sure that I'm up at Georgia mentoring these guys, making sure that they're not just trying to be elite athletes, but they're also leveraging their platform to do more, to have a, a personal brand that lasts them for the rest of their lives. Did trivia you, time? No. Yeah, yeah, let's, light,
1: let's lighten the mood a little bit. I mean, that was great. but uh, we're, So we're going to play some trivia. I want you to
2: play it for me, Drew. All right. yeah.
1: yeah. All right, so here's how this is going um, to work. Drew, welcome to the stage, Drew. Thank our, you. Georgia fans know who you are. Former punter. <laughs> okay. I'm a South Carolina fan, so All he right. certainly made my life hell. Rennie's a great ambassador for the University of Georgia. So is Rusty. Rusty, great to yeah. see you, man. Wealth I of knowledge. I actually saw you a couple weeks ago
3: when the Kentucky rain game. We That's were in right. the same box for a minute, but you were – chasing youngins the whole
1: time i'll let you do your thing (laughs) that's right and shay was awesome too i don't know if shay's still in here yeah it's great to hear about the game
0: tomorrow man from an lsu perspective and i'm glad to be here man
1: yeah so we're gonna play some trivia now and how this is gonna work is you guys are gonna pick an audience member to play on you're gonna be competing on their behalf um i know we got three georgia guys up here now but if someone would please have the heart to pick the lsu fan that they're gonna play for so (laughs) the, the prize is gonna be a Free month subscription of a 24/7 site of your choosing. Oh, sweet. I'm guessing. Let's just do it a
2: year. We'll do a year.
1: Do a year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, we'll oh wow. A year. Okay. It's cotton right there. All right. So, um, if uh, if you'd I'll like you. for one of these gentlemen to play on your behalf, just kind of raise your hand. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll pick. I got you. You. Let's you. <laughs> let's give. So who are we picking? We got to make this clear because I don't want any. I. I. Guess. Uh, my guy. <laughs> All right and. Who, who play, wants
5: me? I mean, we got I'll play for
1: LSU. That's LSU. right. They have a proud <laughs> we'll cross enemy lines. They have a proud punting <laughs> tradition. <laughs> they, for they, they do. They yeah. most certainly do. Um, okay, so. Um, is Res, Res, a guy. Yeah, You're good? Okay, you? cool. Okay, so here's how this is gonna work. I've got, where where the object of the game is. I'm gonna. I've got two games that both everybody up here should be familiar with. They either involve Georgia, LSU, or both. <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna give you the years, and then I'm gonna read some excerpts from the Associated Press, uh, the Associated Press game summary omitting key details. Like if we were talking about the, 2000, the Rose Bowl between USC and Texas, I wouldn't say, You know the lead is uh, Vince Young ran into the end zone, and at that moment, we knew Texas was the national champions. So I'd I'd admit those kind of details, but still give you enough of a clue to figure out what it is. When you think you know it, raise your hand, and you'll have an opportunity to guess the the teams involved in the winner. Mm. And Don't don't worry about the final score. It might become a tiebreaker, (laughs) but we'll we'll get to that if if it needs to be a thing And I'll give you more and more clues until somebody knows. So here we go.
5: I'm sorry Uh, Yeah, I'm sorry (laughs) in advance too. A lot of hits to the head, so I'm probably not going to- A lot of rules I thought
1: we were going to do like 80s rap or something. I was was (laughs) ready to roll. So here we go. This is a game involving LSU, Georgia, or both from 2009 I want to make sure that's right so I don't send you down the right path, wrong path. Yep. Okay, so here we go from the Associated Press. After everything that happened over nearly four hours, the kickoff return for a touchdown, the interception for a touchdown, the safety, the blocked extra punt, the 24 penalties, it all came down to one play, one make or break decision. And then it, I'm skipping a bit. And it says number 21 Georgia had survived, barely. The Bulldogs avoided their first 0-2 start since 1996, Sure, thinks he knows. Yeah, I think I got it. Okay. So, um, so what you have to tell me is the two teams in yeah, who one. It was Georgia and South Carolina, and hey, Rennie yeah. batted down a pass. That's right. man, uh, yeah, I, mean, Dang, I yeah, was, you stole it. <laughs> you got to be quick. got to be quick. <laughs> I, was, I was there for that game. Yeah, that was a fun
5: game. That was As a funny. South
1: Carolina fan, you really broke my heart. I didn't it's have much really. money just out of college, <laughs> and I traveled all the way to see my heart broken, but that was an incredible <laughs> game. Um, good times. So let's uh, – so Drew's in the early lead here. Right. It's looking good for LSU fan. Mm. Oh man! <laughs>
5: that's
1: right. That's right. All right. Um, I don't know what we. I only have two games, so I didn't think through what happens if we have a tie. Trey, well, can we give out two? I'll win yeah, this one for don't sure. Worry okay. About okay. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll make it easy on you. All right. So this is a game that involves LSU, Georgia, or both from 2008. And uh, let's see, the, the game showcased two of the best running backs in the conference and neither disappointed. Uh, the, the, the story specifies one of the teams, but I'm not going to say, had a big edge at quarterback, however. It also marked the first time LSU ever had yielded 50 plus points. It's 2008 LSU, Georgia. Georgia, no Sean, I yeah. forget who the running back was for LSU, but so uh, we scored 52. 52-38, That's when we went in there, was. got a pick, yeah. DG
5: got that pick. Daryl Gamble, two yeah. big
4: sixes.
1: All right, well, yeah. LSU. LSU fan, two years. <laughs> <laughs> Making it easy. Man. Too quick, Randy. The good news oh, for man. you
3: is I can get in the admin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Rusty's right. got be unlimited. Three
3: year subscriptions given out tonight.
1: Okay, well, I think now uh, uh, Trey would come back up on stage, uh, uh, Shay too, and we'll do yeah. the picks. Picks, yep. picks, picks, picks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Drew. Yeah, Drew.
3: Drew, how many times a week do you all do your podcast? Uh,
1: twice. Monday, Thursday. Huh? Yeah. Uh, 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 Randy, do you want to stay up on stage? or? you will do a pick? Drew, you can, Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna uh pick the here I can stand up or get the chair over here. Okay. I mean, all right, now we are going
3: to put some to space
4: between Rusty and I. Yeah. <laughs> get back to the now.
3: games. I've already I'm already on record. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm 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 out there all alone in the whole well, country.
4: There was rumor, Rusty, that when you recorded your dog's two four seven podcast, you did a couple re records, you had hey nobody said anything that about true? that yet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, so we better get this game in, because it's starting pretty soon. Utah and Oregon. Utah is a seven-point favorite. We're not picking against the spread, that's just FYI. Um, it's 8 p.m. in Santa Clara tonight, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, Rusty, who, who do you like in that one? What's
3: the spread? We're doing spreads?
1: We're, we're not picking – sp- I was just providing that for for context, context for to let you know what the general public is kind of thinking what Vegas is thinking.
3: Um, I like Utah. Utah? Yeah, and, and, and you know, they got six seniors already invited to the Senior Bowl mm-hmm. on defense. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you, To a couple of weeks ago, I didn't really watch them. And I know that nobody in the country wants Utah in this. I mean, Georgia fans want to go in, but I'm just saying if Georgia's not – the, the narrative is Oklahoma, the name. Nobody really wants Utah in this. They got a hell of a defense.
1: I'm glad to hear you say that because that's kind of how I'm feeling too. And I'm glad to hear like a I'm real football guy.
5: anyway, who you got in the Pac-12 title game? So, it's, it's going to be tough. First of all, a follow-up after this guy. This guy's a historian. <laughs> but um, I honestly don't watch them at all either i only watch sec football
1: brother it's my it's my job <laughs> right? and i have a bear of a time staying up yeah, until yeah. <laughs> i will say that o- oregon
5: always comes fresh with the uniforms and everything oh, so yeah. I'm, a, I'm gonna have to go with them just based off the sweat <laughs> sounds, like yeah. sounds like a recruit
1: like a recruit now <laughs> all right jay
4: i'll go oregon i think that utah's had a bunch of bunch of people are watching them right now they're supposed to be the real deal i think that's a if they live up to that moment, that'll be big, and, and Oregon still has Herbert at quarterback, so uh, I think the Ducks pull it out. Trey? I
2: went to Oregon. They, uh, Utah's only played two teams in our like, 24-7 sports top 20 talent index deal, and both have been really close. Oregon's got a lot of talent, and I think Utah sort of lays an egg. So let's go snake draft style here and stay with Trey. For Baylor against Oklahoma, I know... What's OU, a 10-point favorite? I got nine. Okay, so this was going to be a blowout a few weeks ago, except for Oklahoma didn't come to play in the first half. CeeDee Lamb is back. Jalen Hurts is not going to turn the ball over. Oklahoma by two touchdowns. Big-time playoff statement, but maybe it won't matter. Jay?
4: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Baylor had their shot already at uh, OU. OU with Hurts at quarterback, they know that uh, this is a game. If they win, they may be in. So
5: I don't see them dropping the ball. Rennie, Baylor, Oklahoma. Yeah, I like Oklahoma in this one. Like Jalen Hurts, what he's been able to do this year, and I think they're definitely gonna go in with a chip on their shoulder. So I think they're gonna take care of business.
2: Rusty pick Baylor, Boomer. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. Which
5: means the Baylor is gonna kill them all fours go for four here.
1: So we got number twenty-three, Virginia, number three, uh, number three, Clemson. Do, I don't think we need to go down the line here. No. Can we do this? Can we get this one through on a voice vote? All the eyes. Does I've anyone happened. here think no.
2: Virginia's going to win? No? Okay. I think that would... Oh, got you got a so, chance, Bryce Bergen? I will say, like... Uh, I, oh. will,
1: <laughs> I will say... Most we're importantly, all they're covering the spread. The narrative, the narrative is that the 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 top three teams are safe. Yes. Everyone's saying that. But, like, if the gap between Clemson and Virginia is so stark that if Clemson were to actually lose to Virginia, wouldn't we have to, like reevaluate
2: that a little bit
4: oh no i think the top
2: uh, three are safe
4: well, no it's but well if georgia if georgia beats lsu and then your line that clemson really does lose to virginia there's no way you're putting clemson in right. no, the, 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 oklahoma or utah or one of those yeah, teams yeah. Is getting in. yeah.
3: Dabo would really have something to talk about
1: <laughs> all right uh in the big 10 we've got ohio state and wisconsin ohio state is a 16 and a half point favorite let's do it the same way we did the acc title game Anyone, anyone daring to pick the Badgers here?
4: No, no.
3: I I think this game will be closer than the last one. Yeah? I think this game will be closer than the last one. Uh, Ohio State's been rolling, you know, just destroying people. Everybody tell them how good they are, and they are elite, and they've got a hell of a roster. But I'm, I think Wisconsin makes us closer than that spread.
2: Something to watch for is Justin Fields has been banged up. He's got two MC, weeks in he's got a, a row now. MCL. Got that thumb. Got uh, that MCL. He's gone to the tent. Like every week, we get a Twitter going crazy. Justin Fields is hurt. Doesn't Man.
1: All right, we got one game left. I think we all know what it is. But before we do that, I just. Kind of talking about these other teams a little bit, I kind of got wondering, who are you guys from the perspective of the team that you played for or cover, who are you least wanting to play if we assume that Georgia or LSU is in the, in the college football playoff? Like, are you least interested in playing Ohio State, uh, Clemson, who?
3: I mean, from a Georgia's angle, there's so many storylines if Georgia plays Ohio State, obviously. Yeah. There's so many storylines if Georgia plays Clemson. Um, if I'm a Georgia guy, I don't want to play LSU again twice because you want to beat them and mm. you know because they would still be in. Uh, you definitely don't want to beat it, probably LSU tomorrow and have to turn around and play them again in the Superdome another another three weeks.
1: What's what's your instinct on how the Justin Fields dynamic plays in the Georgia locker room? Like if that's a matchup that we're headed for,
3: they're they're very close. I mean, all those guys, those those are guys, but you. It's just like, you know, renting, I know, and, and probably grew up with some guys. You put all that to the side. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're going to want to get after him, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I will say this, you know, knowing all those guys and covering that class, they were all really, really close. I'm sure they all still stay in touch with him. And, you know, I saw uh, we all follow Instagram and those types of things. And a couple of weeks ago, he made a really good play, and I saw a couple of Georgia players, you know, you know repost his thing you know like that's our guy you know they're all still tight with those guys you go through that process together me covering them knowing what they go through they're still really close but Georgia plays Ohio State they'll want to get after him
1: for four quarters. Randy what's the team that's in the mix for the college football playoff right now that you least want to see Georgia have to deal with in round one?
5: Ah, uh, definitely you know, Ohio State. I mean, it's love hate because I would like to see that storyline. I mm. think you know, Russy's right. Just that it's that brotherhood. You know, you go through recruiting together. I still got guys to this day that went to Tech that no, know no know good and what well they wanted to come to Georgia, but you know, <laughs> but we still talk smack and whatnot to this day. But it's all love, and uh, you know, I just think it makes for an even more exciting games. So I, I think you know, it's, it's it's scary, but then it's exciting at the same time. You know, Shay.
4: I mean, I think it's the same thing for the exact same reason. I mean, right. Joe Burrow being the guy that graduated from Ohio State that didn't ever get to start over J.T. Barrett and Dwayne Haskins and uh, then choosing to transfer and pick an LSU. And now those two teams kind of being 1-2 and on maybe a collision course for meeting up at some point in the playoffs uh, with both of them likely being in. We'll see. Um, but I, I think it would, it's like them – you would not want to play them because they're probably the best team. But Mm. you also do want to play them because it comes with all these storylines. So I think for LSU, especially sitting in the two spot right now, I don't think there's been a year in the college football playoffs where the one seed got a bigger benefit. Like if someone's playing Utah and not playing Ohio State, LSU or Clemson, like that's a major advantage. Or if Georgia wins, that'll obviously shake that up. But uh, I do think that uh, whoever ends up in the one seed is, is sitting pretty because it seems like we're at a lock for if Clemson wins. They're in the 2-3 range, and you're playing a team that, as Rusty said, has won a bunch of ACC championships, a bunch you know national championships. They've proven they can beat Bama, uh, and you have to play them just to get to a national championship. Uh, after playing in an SEC championship, that's tough sledding.
1: Trey, do you want to speak on behalf of your beloved Clemson?
2: Clemson would probably rather play LSU than Ohio State.
1: Okay,
2: you're, you're, the defense? Yeah. Uh, look, LSU, I've been impressed the last few weeks. Um, I, I was actually convinced as we sort of get into our picks three weeks ago that Georgia was going to win this game because I wasn't thinking LSU. Could, like, the old Miss game scared me. The, the LSU old Miss game was John Rice Plumlee rushing for 200 yards. I was like, something's broken with LSU. They've turned it around, but still you know, not as complete. One, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: All right. Uh, John Rice Plumlee was a laser 4 4 he was almost a Georgia kid. If, if, if he would have won a mid-year, he would have been a Georgia kid. He wanted to play high school baseball his senior year. But people don't realize about him. He is a – and Eric will tell you, he is a laser 4-4. And he's running away from secondary dudes at LSU that do roll. All
1: right, Trey, let's stick with you. The main event, uh, give me not only your, your winner but your MVP for this game. For the SEC title game, Georgia-LSU.
2: I just want everyone to know I did want to pick Georgia a few weeks ago. Um, I did. Ooh, Jake Fromm, the, the fact that he hasn't completed over 50% of his passes in four games. So, I'm going to LSU. Jamar Chase gets
4: loose a few times. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: Jay, okay, <laughs> winner, me. MVP.
4: Um, I picked LSU before the season to go 11-1, and one, lose to Bama. Um, but I didn't think they'd be as good as they are offensively. Um, I think it's going to be fun to watch because I think by far Georgia's the stiffest test. But it's tough for me having watched this team throughout the year to pick against them because they've never faltered on offense. I mean, every time Texas, Auburn, uh, Florida, Alabama, um, in games that were tight at any point, the defense would give up points. The offense would just keep going and going and going. Um, if I'm a Georgia fan, like a lot of y'all fans have talked about tonight, I wonder if you do let the offense go in a game like this, can you keep pace? Uh, I think it to be a great game. I think it to be a 31-24. I picked LSU on our site, but I could see that one going either way. Um, again, I think the key for LSU is to not let Georgia sit there and control the clock uh, on offense. And like I said, do what you've been doing all year on, on uh, offensively if you're LSU. Burrow has run away with the Heisman. If he finishes uh, out this game and the rest like he's played so far, um, he'll have broken pretty much all of the SEC records, but 79% completion percentage would break Colt McCoy's 76% uh, record of, of most or best completion percentage in a single season. It's, if, Georgia, if Georgia shuts that down tomorrow, Georgia is the absolute real deal, and the playoffs would be on high alert if a team went in there and shut down an LSU team that hadn't been shut down yet this year.
5: Mm. Rennie, let's hear it. Hey, I got to go with my dogs. And I think, <laughs> <laughs> of course. And uh, for me, I feel like the defensive line is going to be the MVP for tomorrow. I think, uh, you know, I think Burroughs, all his numbers and, and stats are going to go into the trash tomorrow because <laughs> Jordan Davis, Tyler Clark, that whole crew, Aziz, Ajilari, they're going to get behind him and, you know, be disruptive and, and uh, make it a nightmare for him. So that's what I believe is going to happen.
1: Rusty, we've already given away the goods on your pick, but who's your, who's your MVP? Can I pick Georgia and then Joe Burrow as MVP? <laughs> <laughs> how, uh, how, are you, how are you working that
3: logic? <laughs> um, you know, I think, as I said on the podcast, Georgia's going to have to do something, uh, a, a shake it up a little bit, and I, I said maybe a block punt or a return pick six. You go back and you watch the last two games in that dome, and J.R. Reid's had a great interception. He had another one he dropped. He's played well in there. Um, he's a senior captain guys instinctive uh, has played well for georgia sec championship i think gr Reed's going to be that guy to get a pick six winds up being mvp
1: all right everybody that is our show thanks so much to everyone for coming out thanks to everyone at pandora for putting this on thanks to rennie kern and drew butler for being a part of this go uh you know go finder Go find our show on Pandora. Go find the College Football Daily. Find the Junkyard Dogcast, the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for coming out, everyone.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.